Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Guys, what a week again. We keep starting every single show like, what a week. How about that fly? Every week just gets crazier and crazier. As we're recording this, I have my TV on mute in front of me. I have CNN on, and it's about the plot to kidnap the Michigan governor. I'm laughing because I just can't believe this is real life. I mean, between also between like Kelly Conway's daughter and the fly <laughs> and like Clue the movie, the White House edition, like I just... Here's the craziest thing. For me, my late night can't sleep thoughts used to be like, oh, what about this hypothetical situation where a bomb goes off? Or what about, uh, you know, Matt gets into a car accident and I never see him again? Like, those used to be the things I would worry about. Now I'm like, oh, there's a really, like, actual, logistically sound probability that, like, everyone that's high up in our government gets coronavirus, leaving our country very vulnerable and weak for something terrible to happen. So yeah, it's been a fun week for my anxiety. Do you want to hear where my mind has gone? And I actually shared this in like a work meeting for my other job. And now I realize that everyone thinks I'm batshit crazy. But sure. But they probably already thought that anyway. And you know I'm the place to go with your batshit crazy theories anyway. Yeah, maybe I should hold this for a second because it kind of goes into my tits. Okay. All right. I'm just going to actually Beautiful. be an adult and be like, I'm going to save it. All right. So we've got a great lineup for you guys today. We've got Bethany Braun Silva. We've been fans of hers for a long time. We've been trying to get her on the show. She's wonderful. She's the editor of Parenting.com, and she, like us, has essentially made a career of parenting somehow. It's a really weird place to be in, but here we all are, you know? And we found out she also, like us, was in the arts before this. An artist. Yes, a thespian. And we've got a what's the deal about kids books. You know you've thought about this. You guys know you've thought about this when you're exhausted, tired, and your kid won't sleep, and you're reading that damn book again. There's just so many bad ones. We're just going to do a deep dive, a full deep dive. Yeah, I love it. As always, we have hashtag swag bag, but first we have the tits and the shits. Carrie, why don't you start it off this week, my dear? All right, let me take you back. A few months ago, spin you a yarn. A simpler just COVID time. Yes, it was during COVID. And I had a meeting with a a group of yogis that I know that I'm in business with that I I can't talk about the business right yet because it launches soon. I'll talk about it then. Um, But we were doing like an outdoor socially distanced meeting. And I was sitting in the grass and like meditating and doing yoga and a bunch of praying mantises or manti or whatever you want to call them were like on my body. And I was like, this is so odd. I never see praying mantises. I was like, so weird. And growing up um, at the beach, at the house that I grew up in in Margate, New Jersey, on the way, so I grew up like two blocks from the beach and walking to the beach, the house that was like right before the beach on my street had this crazy praying mantis statue, like a four foot praying mantis statue in the front of the house. It was like a really modern house. I know this sounds weird and it wasn't not, not weird, but it was really interesting because it was a modern house and it kind of worked with the house. Okay. And when my grandmother and I used to walk, we would always like be like, oh my God, that praying mantis statue, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So I am at this, you know, meeting and this praying mantis, I didn't put it together. I was just like, so odd. Praying mantis. Well, I am in the country. I was like, not in New York. I was like, maybe this is a country thing. Maybe people in the country see praying mantises all the time. Then this weekend or the wasn't even the weekend. It was during the week. I went to my mom's for a couple days and I was teaching yoga outside. And again, a praying mantis is on my body. I like gently move it to the side. And then when I'm finishing teaching yoga, 
the praying mantis has moved to a chair and is like staring at me, like literally looking me in the eye. Hmm. And I go up to it and it starts to move its little alien head. I did a whole Instagram stories about it because it was like, I would move my hand, it would move its little paw leg. I would move this way, I would move the other way. And I was like, this is so fucking weird. So I Googled what it means and it says you're like, it's the oldest symbolism of God. It dates back to like early, early, early times. The Chinese thought that it was messengers from God, that it's your connection to like a dead person, which I think is my grandmother. Because I've been saying, will you please send me a message, Bubba? And Bubba and I are the ones that used to go see that praying mantis statue all the time and talk about it all the time. Yeah, because I got to say, I don't think I've ever in my life seen a praying mantis in real life. Ever. I literally have seen like five recently and they've been on my body. So then I tell my mom, I show her, I look it up. It says that it means that it takes the time it takes and that you need to find stillness. And you're like, it's all this good stuff about like meditation and stillness and change and connection to God and the other world. Right. And, and then it's like maybe to alien dimensions, right? Which makes sense because they look like fucking straight up aliens. Right. Then my mom said, she's like, that's so funny you should say that because the other day, David, my stepdad, heard something hitting against the window and he thought it was from the outside and there was a praying mantis inside the house, which the symbolism of that is even crazier. Like, they're like, if it's in your house, then it's like, whoa. So then I posted on- What does it mean if it's in your house? It's like your loved one is next to you right there. Like, it's like you're getting a deep message. It's like crazy. So then I posted about it on Instagram and I had- the most Instagram contact I've ever had ever posting anything. I had random people being like, I can't believe you should post this today. I also had like three interactions with- What? I'm not even joking. Like 15 people private messaged me Oh my God, on maybe Instagram. it's actually just aliens. This is where I'm going with this. This is where the story- becomes where people think I'm crazy. I'm not even joking. Like 15 to 16 people reached out to me. Some I didn't even know. I don't even know them. By the way, this is what happened when I asked people their opinions on Peloton bikes, for God's sakes. That's the (laughs) response I had. And for you, it was praying mantises. Manti, whatever. Maybe half of them I knew. Maybe half of them, I guess I was friends with them or I don't even know how they found it. They're like, thank you so much for this. And they even said, so many of my friends have been talking about how there's been this like influx of praying mantis. So my theory is that there's been a lot of alien sightings. We talked about it recently. People are seeing praying mantises all over the place. There is a connection that they think that praying mantis are like connections to another world. I think this is the beginning of the aliens saying that they've been among us the whole entire time. Listen, we all know where I stand with the aliens. We all know what's happened or not happened or potentially it's probably happened. better than the current state of our government. Honestly, I'm just saying. if this is the way that aliens make themselves known is through praying mantises, mantis, whatever, I'm fine with it. That's cool. Whatever. Otherworldly shit used to be so scary because it was so unknown. And here we are. But now we're living it. (laughs) Yeah. Now we're living in this like really terrifying time. And I have to tell you, you know what? I won't get into it. I won't get into it. Anyway, so point of the story is I. The aliens are coming. In a Zoom meeting in the chat browser, everyone was like, do a check-in. Let's check. Before we start the minutes of the meeting, everyone check in and tell us how you're doing. And I'm like, fine, except I think aliens are real. (laughs) That's what I put in there. (laughs) And it was like not the kind of meeting where I should have said that. What was the me? Oh, it was for the yoga business? Yeah, it was probably not the time to be like, all your fears about giving a bunch of hippies money? You're right. We're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then uh, my shits are that my child takes the most amount of time to eat anything. Today, I fed her breakfast. It lasted an hour and a half. And then I made mini chocolate chip cookies, which one would think a child would devour it. And I specifically made mini ones because I was like, ugh, this kid takes forever to eat anything. Right. I'm not even joking. It took her an hour and 25 <laughs> minutes to finish one 
mini cookie. One mini cookie. I had to move it from the high chair because I'm like, I can't be sitting in front of this high chair for two and a half hours. So then I moved it to the couch. And now there's like chocolate chip shit all over my couch because this kid takes bites with just her front teeth, like she's a baby mouse. The doctors gives me so much hard time that she can't gain weight. It's because it takes her three hours to finish a meal. We're already into the next meal by the time she's finished the first meal. <laughs> anyway, that's my shits. How about you? Uh, you know, it's really hard for me to have any shits that aren't just what is happening. Just what is well, happening? Well, you're kind of, your shits are that scissors are hard. Yeah, scissors are hard for my son. That was our <laughs> our morning homeschooling fun today. Literally, the assignment was, firstly, the assignment was asinine. It was so stupid. I don't even understand why they would give three-year-olds this assignment, but it was to cut out people from magazines to teach them about, like, different cultures and stuff, and then have them sorted by, like, hair color or haircut or something. Like, the sorting part. First of all, who has magazines anymore? That's exactly the first thing. number one. Exactly number one. Thankfully, I recently just got like a deal where it was like two dollars for a year's subscription to certain magazines. So I got like four magazine subscriptions, one of which was Time, and that's the one that. Okay, we could so that's good. So you have from. some so, different colored people, right? But. Well, because the rest was like Bon Appetit and This Old House. Like, there's not people in those magazines. Yes. Step one: Who the fuck has a magazine? Why do you expect us to have that? And then step two: Do three-year-olds know how to use scissors? Thankfully, I bought him like kid scissors from IKEA, from like the kids IKEA area. Yeah, he can't fucking manage them, and then we just get into a fight because then he's like waving them around. I'm worried about him poking his eye out, like all kinds of bullshit. Probably does what my daughter does, which is no, I do. Yes, no, I yes. do. I'm like, just calm it I down. I don't need bitch. your calm help. I know I need your help. I had a whole discussion with Luna the other day that was like, asking for help does not make you weak. You need to learn how to accept help. <laughs> I know. Also, today, I hope my mother doesn't yes. listen to this, but we were watching the debate, the vice presidential debate, and because um, I could not do it last night, I was like having a mild panic attack, and instead I watched Hubie Halloween, the new Adam Sandler movie on Netflix, which totally had the opposite response. I was like, oh, this is nice and comfy, but we were watching it this morning Pence was on I was like god I hate him and Sebastian goes I hate him too and I was like no 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 don't say that don't say that and then he started crying because he got in trouble for saying something he thought he he perceived it as if he got in trouble but I was like no you're not in trouble and this is my mistake I shouldn't have taught you that word like I know daddy gets upset with you for saying shit or ass or any of that I don't care when you say those words but hate it's just bad for your heart and it's my fault mommy said it I'm gonna make sure not to say that anymore either so that was like a really weird life lesson like that's one of those things my mom's been trying to get through to me for 35 years and has not worked and it took it just yeah, worked yeah it took like hearing my son say that and even though he doesn't know what he's saying just like really feeling what that means for me to be like oh no 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 no, this is toxic this is toxic and I need to not do this because you need to not do this so I guess that's both a tit and a shit I guess so yeah 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 we're into these combo ones lately yeah I mean you know life isn't very cut and dry at this point it's everything's all over the place but um the only thing dry is my vagina that's what we talked about last week anyway (laughs) um oh I wanted to mention one more thing if I may and you can cut this out if you want but um I did a follow-up with Jacqueline Kay the intuitive healer I after our live show I asked her if she could just clarify a couple of things she said about my grandmother and uh she sent me what came up today and right 
right off the bat, she's coming through and telling me about playing dress up. Like there's something about playing dress up and she's like really laying into it. And I just started crying because it was something that she and I used to do all the time as a little kid. That was like my favorite thing to do with her. And she said some other things that really just resonated. I was very emotional listening to it. So if it wasn't clear from last week's podcast and last week's live show that you should be getting a reading done with Jacqueline Kay. I just love her. She's so spot on and she's fucking great. She's so good. So Also, completely on brand, Ashley has cried at least once before noon. Yes. I mean, (laughs) it's Thursday. Hello. (laughs) Let's make it two times at least by the next time I see you. It's like bingo. All right. Stay tuned because next up we've got Bethany Braun Silva. Our next guest is a writer, editor of Parenting.com, and a mom to two boys. Welcome, Bethany Silva. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I've been such a fan for so long. Thank you. Ashley and I still cannot believe that anyone listens. Yeah. So we're always like, oh, thank you. Oh, believe it, believe it. <laughs> I have this embarrassing story that's so related to you. So when Scary Mommy first was like, all right, we're restructuring the company. Uh, we're doing away with the podcast unless, you know, we get sponsorship money. Carrie and I were like, you know, understandably went into a state of depression for about a week, a few days. Which is good for us. That was like a short turnaround time for us, Ashley. I'm very proud. Yeah, it was a day of like being in our PJs, crying, texting each other, being like, oh no. And then the next day we were like, all right, let's hit the ground running. Let's find a new home. Let's do this thing. And I remember emailing so many people in like a tizzy, just being like, hi, we're looking for a new home for our podcast. (laughs) And you were one of the people. (laughs) So I mean, there's nothing like depression or a layoff to really help you like motivate you to find your next thing, right? Yeah. It's been one of those things, you know, when you have like a little deep, dark secret seed that's been in your brain and you're like, I don't want to say it out loud because it gives it life. I had to say it out loud. Right. Of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, I just want to say, don't underestimate the power of Outback Steakhouse. Oh, true. I feel like the day that we found out that we lost the gig, we went to Outback Steakhouse and drank and ate steak in the middle of the day <laughs> and cried. And on I, 23rd Street. Yep. I live right there. <laughs> if we would have known, we would have asked you to come have a sadness steak with us <laughs> and two glasses of Pinot Gris. I think that maybe helped move the depression along. Thank you, Outback. Do the right thing. Reach out to the podcast. Oh my God. That's so funny. Memories. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about you before we get into, I mean, we're talking about you obviously, but let's talk about like the you, you before you now, which is how did you start your career? What made you start to want to work in journalism? How did you come to parenting.com? And that all happened before you had kids. Am I right? I mean, it sort of happened by happenstance. So I was an actress. That's what I went to school for. I realized very quickly it's not what I wanted to pursue for, you know, my life. And I thought, you know, I'm I'm an okay writer. Let me sort of shift gears, start writing. And then I got pregnant with my first child. And because I had absolutely no other kind of marketable skills as an actress, you know, I mean, (laughs) listen, I have my BFA in theater. I hear (laughs) you. So, I mean, I'm in the right place here. So I was like, you know what? Well, I'm pregnant. I'm going to be a mom. And it was in 2011, 2012, right? Kind of when mommy blogs and mommy Instagrammers and influencers were kind of like just sort of coming like coming onto the scene. So I was like, well, I'm a mom. So this is my skill now. Special skills, currently impregnant. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You know, (laughs) so I started, you know, writing and then making, you know, a few dollars here and there. And that kind of 
translated into a full-time gig at a smaller company. And then I just kind of like followed the flow, you know, and then it actually ended up being something, and I didn't know it at the time, but I was super passionate actually about, you know, like writing this stuff. And then I always say this wherever I go, I've really you know, blended my personal and professional life well, and it, it works for me. So as a parenting editor, and now a mom to two kids, I don't know that I could have done one without the other. I know there's plenty of parenting writers, parenting editors, um, you know, people on the parenting beat that aren't parents. But for me, I don't think it would have worked. Yeah, you know, it just sort of happened that way. <laughs> we have a question about that later, too. So nice foreshadowing yeah. to use some more theatrical terms. Right. What if from this point on, it's just like waiting for Gothman, and we just keep throwing in actor term. No, we're not going to do that, but that could be something that happens if I'm drunk. I like anyway, that in ahead. the future. Okay, so there are these kind of conflicting ideas about choosing a career, right? So, you know, we've all heard, if you do what you love, then you never feel like you're working, but we've also all heard to never make your hobby into a career. And, you know, I feel like it's kind of safe to say all three of us have done both those things. I feel like the latter is more true. But you've made parenting into a career in the same way that we have. So how do you feel this has been good and how has it been bad? Well, it's good in that I you know, have a lot of like firsthand experience to offer. Some of my jobs in the, that I've got had in the past literally hired me on that alone. The fact yes. that I was a mom, I was their audience and had, you know, some professional background, but also I was able to like speak to whatever we were writing about in, you know, real time from my own experience. On that first one, you know, do what you love and you don't work, you know, a day in your life. I mean, that's complete bullshit, right? Like I've never <laughs> yeah. worked harder as a mother, you know, in this industry. I mean, I certainly love what I do. I love being a mom, but holy hell, it is the craziest, hardest work yep. there is. And most of the time, Time, you know, there's no like tangible reward, right? Except that, oh, yes, we love our kids and, you know, they're sleeping and they're beautiful. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. No one's really like paying us, first of all, for, you know, being moms and all that. But I guess to answer the second part of the question is, I guess I have a lot of um, my own thing to be completely honest and vulnerable here. I suffer a lot from imposter syndrome, right? So I'm raising these two boys. Amen. Me too. <laughs> That's why we think no one listens to the show because we're like, we're imposters. <laughs> this is fake. I'm raising two boys. And now I'm, you know, this editor of parenting.com, which is kind of a big title. And so what does that mean? I, I mean, like, I don't have, I have some advice, but I don't always have the best advice. I certainly don't raise my kids in a way that I think would, everyone should or would, you know? So, I mean, it's a lot of that. It's like, you just kind of struggling on different levels, you know, professionally and yeah. then personally, and it all just kind of comes together. And then when people ask me, oh, you're the expert, what should I do? I'm like, I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> so like, it's kind of silly, I, I guess. That's the hardest thing about making parenting a career. If you get what I'm saying? Yeah. People come up to us and say, oh, well, what, you know, what are some tips I could use to get my kid to sleep? And I'm like, I have no fucking idea. Like, I'm struggling as much as you are. But on the flip side, there was a time that my husband and I got into an argument over something with our son. I forget what it was. And I thought I knew better. And he comes to me and says, well, I Googled something. And it says that we're supposed to do this. And I was like, oh, so I guess you have a mom podcast now? And so <laughs> it was like the first time that 
that I actually was like, I am the expert. I know this shit, but I have no idea. No one knows. One of my go-to things that I say, because I'm also a yoga teacher, so having to deal with like trying to be an expert in quote unquote all things like wellness slash, you know, whatever. I always say, listen, I have my head up my ass as much as you guys do. The difference is I've done a lot of research and I like cultivate a lot of information and I'm just your cliff notes. Yeah. I can't tell you that I know, but I can tell you that Lord knows Ashley and I are Googling shit until two o'clock in the morning that has to do with our show, which happens to be about kids. And so we can give you a cliff notes version of what we've discovered, but I don't know if that's called advice. We're just like giving you the the shorthand of what we know. That's a good way to put it. Thank I you. really like that. I'm probably going to steal that from you. And with you know, everything that's going on with the quarantine and the pandemic, you know, the U.S. Labor Department just released that 400% more women have dropped out of the workforce than men yep. as of September 2020, which is just astonishing, alarming. Like what's happening to the glass ceiling now? It's crashing. Yeah. And it's something and that I'm the way thinking we about for sure as, you yeah. know, a mom and, and a working woman and all of that. So. Yep. Have your kids ever been upset or like been frustrated that you are a mom working in the mom sphere professionally? My oldest is eight, eight and a half. And I will say I've just started to do some TV appearances, some segments where I've asked him to sort of jump in and he's not really comfortable with that. And so I'm done with that. If they want me on TV, it'll be just me or my youngest, who's, you know, kind of a ham and doesn't mind. But my eight-year-old, he's not into it. And he knows about Instagram. And when I'm taking pictures of him, he's very aware. Is this going on Instagram? So I am definitely making more of an effort now to just kind of clue him in and he can look at it. And I actually just recently set my Instagram to private for that reason. So, you know, I do share a lot of my kids and, and I think I do owe them a certain amount of privacy and respect. I mean, I did it too. Like I was a mom. So now I have this job. But you know, I think there comes a time when you need to shift that even though you're a mom and you know, your kids, you want them to be part of it. It still has to be about you. I mean, that has to kind of like drive, I think the career or the money and and all of that. Because I mean, these are just kids, right? Like, if my kids, I'm, I'm open with them, they're mature, and they if whatever they can handle. And as soon as they tell me they don't want it, then yeah, we're done. What has been your proudest moment in this whole like parenting, mom, work journey? What is it that you are proudest of? I have to say it probably relates to my current position, you know, working for a corporation like the Meredith Corporation. And then parenting is, you know, it's been around a long time. You know, with media, things get shuttered, you know, magazines are just going to digital versions only. So when I was brought on to help out with parenting.com, we were just gearing up to relaunch the site. So that was like a really big deal. And so we have since launched and it's been a really great, you know, learning and growing experience watching this historical brand get out there again. So that's been great. And also I have to say day to day, I mean, I I kind of felt like this about, you know, my life and balancing work and kids prior to the pandemic. But if I could just shout myself out (laughs) and all the moms out there, I cannot believe I am. I stand in my kitchen sometimes for five, six hours at a time while the kids are destroying the house. I'm working. They come in for snacks. I mean, like, we have to like yep. really pat ourselves on the back here. I think the last five months when they shut down schools in New York City, like I think it was like March 13th was like our last day in school. Like how you guys would scary mommy sh- cut it off. I-, I panicked and called everybody. How am I going to do this? I'm going to need help. But you yeah. know what? Here we are in like October and we're fine. It sucks. It 
is hard. You know, I probably have lost a bunch of hair and I'm totally gray now at 35. But like, you know what? I'm doing it. And I hope I can look back on this time and just be like, wow, 2020 sucked, but we made it through. And at the end of the day, we were intact. I have a job. Like everything's good. (laughs) So I mean, I definitely have gained a lot of stress eating pounds, but everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) totally. So let me ask you, I feel like, you know, we've already gone over. We actually aren't experts, but still you are the expert. What work-life balancing tips do you have for moms? Like this is something that's been so huge in, you know, the pandemic where we're all trying to handle so much and we have so much on our plate. So what is it for you that's like really just made things more manageable, I guess? You know, we talk a lot about work-life balance and, you know, even I throw that phrase out, but really I don't know if there's a balance. It's kind of like all work, all life, all the time, right? Like it never stops. Like you just have to like shut yourself off from one thing or another to manage the other thing or whatever. But um, I will say what I've done from personal experience is that I've lowered expectations across the board for myself, for my kids, for my home. Um, and the only thing that we're doing that I insist on is hand washing and, you know, mask wearing when we, you know, we used to like have this thing, no scooters. I live in an apartment in New York City, so you can't ride your scooter in the freaking apartment. But you know what? They're riding the scooter in the apartment as long as they don't break anything or, you know, they don't get hurt. Like we're okay. So these is weird times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so like just lowering expectations for myself, you know, with work, I still am very like gung ho. It takes a lot of my energy throughout the day and I'm making it okay. Like whatever happens, if I want to devote time to work all day and the kids are on the iPads, okay, that's just one day. And then if I want to like tell my boss, I'm going to miss this deadline because my kids need me, then that's okay too. I think I might have just defined work-life balance, but for me, it's really just lowering expectations because it's just such an impossible scenario we're in right now. Yeah. You sort of answered two questions in one because you're a boss lady, that's why. (laughs) But like pre-pandemic, I know we can barely remember a time before this, but has there been any amazing tips that you've picked up working at parenting.com or any of your other in your parenting sphere? Like, was there any research or articles where you're like, oh my God, why did I, I'm today years old when I realized that this is an option. Like any choice tips? Yeah, I think it's been in the news or, you know, this parenting media world for a while that we were defining our parenting style, right? Oh, I'm an attachment parent. I'm a, I do parent led, I do child led, the helicopter parents. For a long time, I was trying to figure out where I fit in. And I sort of realized that I don't. And I pull from all of those philosophies, right? Parenting philosophies. And it's kind of funny because, you know, I was born in the 80s. So is my husband. And so And I think at that time, like parenting philosophies were just starting to take hold. I asked my mom, I was like, what was your parenting philosophy? You know, when I was growing up, she kind of looked at me like, what? Like, we we just kept you alive. You went to a Montessori school. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on parents now to sort of be a certain way, act a certain way, or even just like appear a certain way. I think the thing that I've learned, and this is just from like colleagues of mine or people in the parenting space, just to let all that go, right? (laughs) There's enough pressure. I think a lot of what I talk about here is just kind of like lowering expectations or not putting so much pressure on yourself because I think parents do that so much, especially mothers. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that you don't have to parent one way. You can just do whatever works for you and pretty much, you know, like fuck what they say, right? <laughs> like, that's yeah. kind of like do no harm, take no shit. That's like what I live by and how I, you know, parent too, I think. It's so funny because before I had a baby, um, I didn't really care about babies. I mean, I was a nanny, so I, I did care like for children, but it wasn't like I did a lot of research. Like, 
like a lot of my friends who wanted to have kids, I feel like they knew a lot about kids before they had kids. And so after I had a kid, I remember someone asking me what my parenting style was. Again, I was born in the 70s, so I was like, parenting style, this is a thing. <laughs> and my answer was a good one, a good, that my style That's is That's still good. my answer. <laughs> I don't know, a jeans and a t-shirt kind of parent? I don't know. I don't know what kind of style question you're asking here. Right, exactly. <laughs> I think that's such a crazy, even concept, but you know, that's neither here nor there. So can you tell us a little bit, you mentioned that parenting is going through a little bit of a rebrand. Did I hear that correctly? Or that you just recently went through one? It's actually about a year and a half in the making. Sorry if I didn't make that clear. Yeah. So parenting now, we focus on products, which parents are so, we're always looking like, you know, we talk about Googling things late at night. You know, my best friend just has a newborn and she's always like, uh, he's teething. Should I, what should I buy? Oh, he needs shoes. What should I buy? So parents are always looking for the best things to get their kids. We, you know, we spend a lot of money on crap. You know, this is not the official mission statement of the site, but it's like, we want you to spend your money on good things. So everything's like heavily vetted by me and, ev- you know, all the products we recommend, I've either used or know someone that's used them, all very researched. And, you know, we want to be that resource for parents when they need to shop for their kids, which we do a lot of you know, at various ages. Plug yourself, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can get all the info on you and parenting. So if you head over to parenting.com, that's their website. So that's where you can find all the articles and information on products and um, a lot of stuff gearing up for Halloween and the holidays we have in the works. And then we're also at parenting on Facebook and parenting on Instagram. And then I'm Bethany Braun Silva at Instagram. I don't really tweet and I don't really do Facebook. So there you go. <laughs> I don't tweet either. I call it, I always say I'm not a twat. Yeah. So I don't tweet. <laughs> that's good. My Twitter is literally just like a political thing at this point there it's politics and bravo and I don't think anyone should follow it because it's just like the rantings of an angry woman I have to say Ashley last night when my mom and I were having a glass of wine together she goes you know Ashley likes a lot of my tweets you could do the same I was like ew mom first of all I have a Twitter I've never used it so it's just like there because I thought I should have one I've never been on it she's like you could stand to do the same she's like one of my biggest followers I was like oh okay mom she's doing you a solid by far. Okay. That's only because she's an angry political woman too. That's it. <laughs> I was like, oh, you want Ashley as your daughter? My mom would fit right in there. Yeah. Oh, Perfect. <laughs> Me and the moms. Well, thank you so much. What a joy it was to talk to you. If you guys haven't already seen it, Bethany joined us last week on Momtourage Live from your couch. It was a great episode. I think you'll really enjoy it. So go check that out on our Facebook page. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you guys so much. This was so fun. What a nice break for me. <laughs> So our next segment is really has gotten to be one of my faves, which is what's the deal with kids books? We love this segment so much. It's such a staple in the momtrage lexicon. Now, let me just tell you, I'm always conflicted about like, it's like a witch came first, the chicken or the egg thing. Are these kids books that bad? Or is it just that we have to read them over and over and over and over? over again like so many times when we're exhausted tired and we just want our kid to go fucking asleep I think both but I also think they're just that bad most of them yes I think there are some that are just really not good books that are just boring and the first time you read them you're like oh god I hope my kid doesn't like this one because I really don't want to have to read this again 
again. And then there are some where it's just like, okay, listen, the sleepy little alphabet is like fine. I can read it a zillion times. And then there are the ones that are, you just can't do it again. Like I cannot read Paw Patrol's Puppy Birthday to you. I cannot read that shit again. It's a fine book. It's whatever. But the repetitive nature makes me want to jump out of window. That's like that Wizard of Oz book that I tried to pawn off <laughs> on you and Seba. Like, I don't know what it is about that book. It like literally triggers me. I, I don't even like the Wizard of Oz, but I did have a boyfriend. Ooh, I just burped while I said that, which is why I sounded like an alien was <laughs> taking over my body. I did have a boyfriend one time that was obsessed with the Wizard of Oz, and so I've had to watch it a couple of times. Also, never trust a boyfriend yeah, who's obsessed I was with gonna the Wizard be like, of Oz. Like, just don't do that. I was going to say, like, what the hell? What, that's the weirdest thing for yeah, a just straight man to be into. Well, you know, I think he's straight. He does have kids, but you know, it was always questionable. It was uh, always questionable. It's just so we it's just so off brand. This was one of many things that was questionable. His deep love of Prince and how he used to dance around to Prince. I mean, there were a lot of things <laughs> that that made it a little bit questionable. His style, there's things, his love of baking. There was many, many things. But anyway, I know the Wizard of Oz pretty well. And the book triggers me because they're calling, it must be written by someone foreign, because they're calling all of these things that we know about in the movie by different names. And I'm like, that's not what that's called. What <laughs> book are you reading? Yeah. What is this? It's sort of Why like Why bother? It's sort of like the when Grimm, the original Grimm fairy tales, and then when they make them into a Disney movie, like if you're a real Grimm fairy tale person, you're like, that's not what happens in the movie. Yeah. It's much darker than that. If there's anything I've learned from my two years on earth with this child is that kids are not fucking stupid. They're not stupid. They're so much smarter than we think that they are. And all of these kids' books are written like the kid is a dumb dumb. Yes. And it makes me feel like a dumb dumb reading. I'm like, this is so dumb. My kid is much smarter than this book. Yes. And then there are the ones that are just like too emotional that I just can't possibly like there are ones that I read as a child that I love. Like I love you forever. I love you forever and the giving tree are my two specific ones coming of mind and I just loved them so much as a child and as an adult reading them to my kid I'm like what the fuck torture am I putting on myself reading this shit repeatedly like every time I get emotional I hate this I I refuse to read them anymore I refuse. Pro tip, do not read I Love You Forever when you're getting ready to put your parents into some sort of hospice (laughs) facility. Now, I think this might only um, pertain to me because I'm an old parent, but old parents, when you have a kid that's about the right age for I Love You Forever, is kind of when your own parents start their health starts failing. And then that book is so incredibly triggering about having to pick up your mother like she picked you up when you were a baby and you're like, I can't with this. This is what's actually happening in my real life right I know, now. I know. And then I started thinking about how my mom's going to die someday and what that's going to be like for me. And it, it's just like this spiral that I don't need to go down. All it's like just you better take my... a Klonopin. Yes. You better take a Klonopin right before you read just that book. Just to put to your, your kid to fucking bed, I'm good. Thank you. And then the kid starts asking questions like, is mommy going to die? Am I going to have to hold mommy? And you're like, oh, yes, but let's not talk about this right now. My kid hasn't gotten there yet where he's going, oh, no, does that mean mommy's going to die? But I'll tell you, he did have that dream that one time where he was like, I had dream you die. I'm really sad. And I was like, oh, my God, please, let's not start with this phase. Oh, my God. Luna, side note, when now when she says, um, like, twinkle, twinkle, little star, like a diamond in the sky, she points to her ears and her neck because that's where my mom wears <laughs> diamonds. And then she goes, when you die. And I go, what? Because my mom's like, I'll give you these when I die. So now she keeps asking me 
she points to my necklace and she goes, when you die? And I don't think she knows what die means, but now she keeps like just pointing to jewelry and going, when you die? And I'm like, oh God, what? That's so twisted. That's so fucking twisted. And also, for some reason, I'm not really sure what the correlation is that I'm making, but for some reason, I just see her as like an Anna Nicole Smith figure in her future. (laughs) (laughs) Especially she doesn't have the name. boobs for it, I'll you know, tell you that. She's very thin. She'll have to get implants. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I just peed myself a little bit laughing. Thank God I'm wearing no underwear and only a bathrobe, so easy cleanup. Um, all right, should we start with the books that we like? Yeah, first? we should. Yeah, for sure. You want to go? Okay, I'll go first. So one of my favorites is Everyone Poops. Which I bought. You bought that after I told yeah. you, right? I love when they say a two-hump camel makes a two-hump poop. Just kidding. I love that part. <laughs> anyway, I like it. It's like weird Japanese illustrations. I just think it's so weird. I love it. I love talking about poop. It's right up the mm-hmm. Montage Alley, so I love that book. Um, my favorite, and I, this is still one of my favorite books, even as an adult, is Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Bad Day. I love that book. I read that a lot as a kid. Yeah. It's my favorite. I, I talk about it all the time. I'm like, oh, just a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Yep. Um, we were gifted one of the literati subscriptions when Luna was first born, which they send like really, really good books. If you want to not have a book that the parent is going to hate to read, all the books that I love to read to my kid, and they happen to be also my kid's favorites, are from that Literati subscription. It was a really good gift to get a kid of any age. One of those books that they sent us uh, is called Everywhere Babies, and it's really good. It just talks about all the different kinds of babies, the illustrations show all different kinds of families, like male, male, female, female, black, white, everything. And And Luna loves it. And another book that we really like from that subscription is called Pouch. It's just a cute book about a kangaroo family. That's cute. It's really cute. I love The Stinky Cheese Man. I actually know the author of that one. Um, It's for like an older kid. Like I would say like seven to nine, I think. I'm terrible with ages, but it's a little bit older of a book. Um, It's super funny. The main line of the book is run and run as fast as you can. You'll never catch me. I'm the stinky cheese man. (laughs) And then... Luna and I really love the Olivia books. That's cute. They're so funny. We love those books. And I personally, I haven't read any of them to Luna yet, but I love the Madeline. Those have been a a hashtag swag bag pick for you before. Yes. And the Madeline books, I haven't introduced her to yet, but I really was pushing to name her Madeline and Lee was not into it. I love that name. That's an all-time top name for me. But Madeline Mars, he thought was too much. I was like, it's just enough. Wait, he thought Madeline Mars was too much, but not Luna Mars? Correct. They are the same level of excessive in the best way possible. I know. (laughs) Anyway. All right, so some of my favorites are Oh, The Places You'll Go. I I love this book for so many reasons. I think it's great for little kids, for messages. I think it's a great gift for an adult. I just, I think the book overall is great. I am not a huge Dr. Seuss fan. I don't really care for most Dr. Seuss books, but I do love Oh, The Places You Go. The illustrations are beautiful and cool and kind of trippy, but they're just like, it's so well done. Agreed. I also love Where the Wild Things Are. I know you don't really like that one. Yeah, I'm not into that one. I have to tell you, again, like this is a book I always loved as a kid, and now reading it as an adult to Sebastian, I'm kind of like, uh, what's the message of this book? Like, the kid had a fit, he was sent to his room, and then he imagined being the leader of all these monsters, because essentially he's like a monster of a child, and then he smelt dinner, so he came back home. Hashtag relatable. What the fuck? 
is this? The Jolly Postman and Other People's Letters, which, do you know that one? No. Okay, so this is another one of my favorites as a kid. It's a postman in England. I know, me liking anything British. But it's a postman in, in England going around like a fairy tale world. And he stops it to drop off mail for all these different fairy tale figures. So all these fairy tale figures are there. So like he delivers mail to the Wicked Witch and uh, Goldilocks and Cinderella and you get to open up all the mail and read the mail. It's really cute. It's a really fun interactive one. I think Sebastian's still a little too young. I definitely think Luna's too young. But as they get older, it's a really good one. I love I Love You Forever. I'm sorry. Ooh. I can't not love that one. Yeah, so I think I, that's it's a great. real mixed bag for me. Yeah, I get it. But I still love it. The Missing Piece. I just love the message. I've heard of that one, but I don't remember that one. It's Shel Silverstein. It's basically about this like Pac-Man-ish type figure who's on a journey to find the missing piece that fits in his circle. And basically the moral of the story is like, you know, you're complete on your own. You guys just exist together. I just really like that. I need to send that to a lot of my friends who are dating. Yes, I think most <laughs> women need that book. Like most adults. Yeah. Give it to any like 20 year old girl you know now. Just like save them. Get them out of that mind said. Although I read it as a He's child. Like, you are whole enough. Yeah, I read it as a child. It didn't do much for me. Well, listen, we already know that the messages that your mom told you took 35 years to set it. Yeah. So... <laughs> Give it a little time, Ashley. So maybe this feeling whole thing will kick in soon. One day. My fingers are crossed. Um, And then my last one is Marlon Bundo, which is that John Oliver book about Mike Pence's pet bunny. He really has a pet bunny. And now he also has a pet fly. Our last week tonight team from John Oliver's show wrote this book, and it's about Mike Pence's gay bunny. And it's so cute and so good. I love this book. It is so, so, so good. Is Mike Pence's rabbit's real name Marlon Bundo? Yes, it is Marlon Bundo, but it's spelt differently, so they had to spell it a different way so they weren't sued. I'm impressed that he came up with such a good name being such a zero. Yes, I know. I know. And they call him Bodis. I think that's what they call him in the <laughs> book is Bodis, Bunny of the United States. It's such a fucking cute book. It really is. I really suggest it. And I think money goes towards a charity or something. What are your worst Okay. Books? Oh, God. Here we go. This is the really interesting list. And surprisingly, this one's shorter for me. Oh, God, not me. Evidently, my hate, sorry to use that word, it spews larger than my love. So first of all, I'm going to add the cat in the hat. So this was not on this list, but my child has forced me to watch the cat in the hat and read the cat in the hat. And all I got to say is, these are some absentee parents. A creepy fucking molester cat. (laughs) Where does he come from? He creeps in and he's like, oh, hey, you want to go to Mars? Let's go to Mars. (laughs) And these kids like knock on the door. Their mother and father don't even I've never seen the father it's always a single mother in the room no, God knows what she's doing in that room seen and the mother? just like we've never I seen saw the, the mother, mother on the show once okay they're okay. just like sure just be back in time for dinner and you're like and the kids always like hey this large cat has asked me to go to Mars cool <laughs> and the parents are like sure just be home for dinner and then these kids and the cat has all these creepy molestery things in his hat he's wearing a fish and then his best friends are two fucking shining style twins thing one and thing two are psychotic they're like psychotic <laughs> <laughs> it is the worst show. I have to agree with you, but I will say I do like the Halloween special. I know you don't because it- We're watching it, I know. I know, it's I know. on well, 24-7 right now, but I love it. I think it's really good. I love that it keeps my kid quiet for like two hours yep. and that she sings after it. But anyway, I don't like that. My least favorite kid's book of all time is Motherfucking Curious George. <laughs> I hate Curious George so much. I do too. First of all, The Man in the Yellow Hat, the, the very first book, which many of us have not read the first book because like that, it's super old. The Man in the Yellow gets on a ship, goes to Africa, steals Curious George, and then (laughs) Curious George gets out of the sack that the man in the yellow hat has stolen him from, and he finds himself on 
on, may we say, a slave ship in the ocean. And then takes him back to New York City to his apartment on the Upper West Side, his flamboyant motherfucking apartment across from the Met or whatever it is, the Museum of Natural History. And then he gets into trouble because, one, he's a monkey that has been stolen (laughs) from his home. And he's a monkey, a muck, on the Upper West Side. And everyone's always like, you're being bad, monkey. (laughs) First of all, this monkey is the best behaved monkey I've ever seen. This monkey does not throw his shit at anyone. Like, if this were a real monkey, he'd be throwing shit everywhere. Like, he gets into shenanigans, but no one should trust a monkey to, like, fly a spaceship. Why are you letting this monkey, like, run the zoo? Why is he in charge of, like, the moon landing? Stop putting him in charge of things and getting upset with him when it doesn't go right because, again, he is a fucking monkey. Also, man in the yellow hat, why yellow? Why did you pick yellow? It doesn't look that good on you. Also, Pharrell looked better in the hat than you did. Sorry to say, but he did. Two, what's what's your deal? Like, I know you, like, work in a museum. That seems pretty on brand for your look. But, like, are you in a relationship (laughs) with that woman that's your friend? Like, you introduce her, but, like, are you guys together? I just made a connection, and I think nothing has ever made more sense in my life. I think the man in the yellow hat is just Ross Geller from Friends. It makes sense. (laughs) Ross Geller had Marcel, the monkey. Right. He works at a museum. He is a tall, somewhat gangly brunette man. Looks same kind of schnoz as the man in the yellow hat. Wow. Ross Geller is the man in the yellow hat. I'm going to Google this. and Maybe he's just on a break from that woman (laughs) that he sometimes introduces. The the hot Indian uh, scientist. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're just on a break. It was. We were on a Break. Both of us do the worst Ross Geller imitation. I know, but you ever. know what? If I was going to stoop anybody, it was definitely going to be Ross. Ew, you know, I don't like the I know, so but friends. Ross Geller is like ultimate hot Jew guy. Ew, you you and your hot Jew guys. And this is coming from a girl that also likes hot Jews. Yeah, you actually like are with kind a Jew. Of hot Jew. I know. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with Goodnight Moon. Like, I love it because I can say it in my sleep. I hate it. But also, in most pictures, the bunny, especially as the book goes on, the bunny is having a panic attack. Like, if you see, first he's just, like, resting in his bed. Then he's, like, turning around in his bed. Then there's a picture of him, like, trying to pull up the covers, looking like he shit his pants. Like, there's so many things, so many questions, like, about Goodnight Moon. Like, so many questions, like, why does he have a phone in there? Why does the fireplace all have dangerous things? Why do the books just, they're just, like, in a bookcase with no letter? Anyway, the whole thing is very confusing. Goodnight Moon is a is a no from me, dog, in every single way. I hate it so much. It's so simple. It's so boring. I hate it. I hate it. What is all this shit in the room also? Why are there mittens hanging on a line? Like there's just so much weird shit in this book. There's a woman. I can't it's like Subaru, Fat Subaru, something. There's a blogger who did a whole thing about what the interior decorator of that room would say. They're like, going out on a limb. Let's, I know the carpet's red, but let's do red drapes. And what's best for a kid's room? Zebra rug. Let's just do a zebra rug. And they're like, what's the most restful thing for a child's room? Green and yellow striped curtains. Let's do that. I hate it. Oh, I don't know yeah. why anyone likes that book. And why is that like the like go-to book you give people when you're buying a book for their child? Why? I don't know. So that we can have this conversation. Oh, I, I hate think, it is so why. much. I don't like any of the Snuggle Puppy books or really any of the Sandra Boynton books. They were recommended by three separate friends who it's their kid's favorite book. And I'm just like, Luna, I don't know where those books went. Yeah, no. And I pretty much hate all the Sesame Street books, even though I love Sesame Street. But the books are like, I think that it's like a franchise thing where someone else is writing the books, not the people that create Sesame Street because they're all terrible. Um, I don't know. They have, I just bought a book. So, you know, when all of the George Floyd racial upheaval 
long overdue stuff that went on in the world. I bought Sebastian a few different books on racism and all of that stuff to teach him lessons in the way that he can understand it. And I bought him a Sesame Street book that I don't even remember what it's called. And I was like, it's Sesame Street. Can't be a bad book. It is so bad. Well, guess what? It can. And it is like six years long on top of it. It's like, let's not just make it bad. Let's make it excruciatingly long on top of everything else. Also something that I think people need to take in, illustrators need to take into account, is most of us are reading these books in dark lighting. Like that Good Night Moon book, it's like black writing on a dark green or red surface. Like how is anybody supposed to see that shit? And I have good eyes. Yep, I agree. You should make the letters like day glow. We need that book where the writing is glow in the dark. I could not agree How come with they haven't done more? that yet? I don't know. So Leaf refuses to wear his reading glasses for whatever reason because <laughs> he makes him look old. And he didn't have any lights on. And I was teaching yoga and I heard him in the other room. And I'm like, we don't own this book. He was like, there were three kittens and they were hanging out with kittens of a, of an older <laughs> age. Kids should, kids should definitely hang out with kids their own age. These cats are much too old to hang out with these younger kittens. Wow, cats' nails are really long. Watch out for cats. They're terrible. I'm like, what book is this? He's like, I can't read it. I'm just looking at the pictures and making up shit. I can't read anything. <laughs> Do we have a book about cat older cats being bad influences on younger cats? I didn't know. He's like, no, it's the Halloween book, but there's like different sized cats and I feel like it's dangerous for them all to be together. <laughs> Like, Lee, this is the reason why I love you. It's hard. Sometimes I forget that this is really the Lee that I love because mostly we've turned into just terrible people to each other. But that's the Lee that I married that makes up a story about how it's not really a good idea for the older cats or bad influences on the younger cats. (laughs) Anyway, what do you hate? Well, like I mentioned, if I have to read Paw Patrol Puppy Birthday to you one more time, I'm going to just stab my eardrum with a pencil. Harold and the Purple Crayon, which what asshole thought it was a good idea to encourage children to draw on the wall? Horrible. I know. What a dick. What a a dick. Dumb ass. I just need to say Also, who names their kid Harold, except for Uh, Lee's dad's name's Harold. (laughs) I I am waiting for the day I meet a baby Harold. Like, I can't wait for that day. But the book is just, oh, it's so boring. It's so stupid. I can't stand it. Again, all Dr. Seuss is just, mm, mm mm-mm. There is this one, though, Sebastian was given called Scribble Stones, and it's about... Oh, you told me about this. Stones getting painted on. There's a poster on the inside of the book flap. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Oh, my God. No, Sebastian loves Scribble Stones. And there's another one, too, like about doodles. I guess the original one was about doodles or some shit. He loves... The only doodle I like is a Labradoodle. He loves these books. They are awful. It's all about painting on rocks. Could you literally get any more boring? First of all, two conspiracy theories. Or one conspiracy theory, one thought. Do you know the Berenstein Bears from when I was a kid? They spelled the Berenstein... The Jewish way. The Jewish way. And now... It's the Baron whatever, Stein Bears or whatever, and it's the non-Jewish way. Yep, yep, yep. And there's a whole conspiracy theory. There's articles and articles and articles about why they changed the spelling of it, but I want my Jewish Bears. I know. I want my Jewish Bears, too. Don't change the name. I'm not down with that. We're a part of this whole new world with the Zoom, you know, school from home stuff. Yeah. We've been opened up to this whole new world of books on YouTube. 
Ew, I hate all I of know, that. I know, I know. I hate all those words. I know, but it is something nice to keep your kid occupied when you're just trying to get some work done, and it's not TV, and it's not a game. It is just kids' books being read to them. I didn't know so many people read children's books and record them reading it, but it's kind of incredible. But anyway, we just started reading Berenstein Bear books because of this, and they all have the new weird spelling, and I'm just like, oh, this is so strange. I didn't realize this when I was little, but the Berenstein Bears are very Mike Pence-esque. Very like, say things like mother, you know, like the husband calls the wife mother type of thing. Like very strange. I didn't realize that. I'm hoping English is their second language. Maybe there's some like German Jews that like fled the German Bavarian forest and went to go live somewhere else. And so just their translation's a little weird. Yeah, I mean, I I think you could have claimed that when it was spelt the Jew way, but now they're on their own. Now they're just like. Maybe they're hiding out in a country that doesn't like Jews and they're just afraid. Like Lee's family had to change their name. Like, from Marskowitz or whatever it was to just Mars. Right, like my, my great-grandmother, when she came over to Ellis Island, she was like, her last name was like Bro or something. That's actually true. It's like Bro, but not spelt like Breath. And they had to change it to Sax. Yeah, I want to see that book. I want to see, it's like basically the Sound of Music meets Berenstein Bears. The only other thing I have to say is I feel like The Very Hungry Caterpillar, that's another one that everyone loves that I, I hate because that caterpillar is a binge eater. Also, the caterpillar, like, doesn't finish his food. No. He just goes from, like, one thing to another to another. Then he's full. No shit. You ate human food. <laughs> you're supposed to eat a fucking leaf. You eat the leaf. It's finally like, oh, your belly finally feels better. And then you can, like, take a long nap and turn into a beautiful butterfly. Like, that caterpillar book, it's just like, you have an eating problem. Yep. And where is your mother to teach you that you should not start with an ice cream cone and some other shit? You better eat your leaf. And you better finish your food. I have to tell you, though, I think I've made it through my whole life um, without reading A Hungry Cow. Caterpillar, somehow. The other thing about kids' books, and then we'll be done, is I feel like every person has said to themselves, oh, I could write a better kids' book than this. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I one time went to, like, the new museum or something in the city, and I saw a tote bag that says, oh, yeah, everyone thinks they can do modern art, but you didn't, which is exactly the way kids' books are. It's like, everybody thinks they could write a kids' book, but nobody does. So I guess it's hard to write a kids' book, but everyone always feels like, oh, I could do a better job at this. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think I could. I'm sure you do, too. I don't have time, and I'm not going to do it. I mean, that's the number one thing. We want to hear from you. What are the kids' books that you love? And even more importantly, what are the kids' books that you absolutely cannot stand? Go on a rant. Either DM us on Momtourage Podcast, the Instagram, momtouragepod at gmail.com, or our Facebook page, Momtourage Podcast. We want to know. We want to hear what annoys you about kids' books. And then, of course, mention some books you love because, you know, we need recommendations. Hashtag swag bag. All right, hashtag swag bag. All right, hashtag swag bag. Do you want to go first? Yeah, you know what I do. Um, This week has been a clusterfuck, as I've mentioned six million times. So, you know, whenever that happens, I turn to television and I I watch something that's light and fun and just feels escapist to me. And uh, last weekend, Emily in Paris came out on Netflix, which is a new Darren Star show. Darren Star obviously did Sex in the City. He's done Younger. Uh, I think he did a another one in there, maybe like Lipstick Jungle. I don't know if that was him. Um, But you know, all kind of that Sex in the City, metropolitan, good clothing kind of feel. And Emily in Paris takes place in Paris, obviously, starring... Could be Paris, Texas. We don't know. It could be. Is it Lily Collins? Yes, Lily Collins. And I will tell you, so the show is flaw-filled, right? Like she starts off with, before she moves to Paris... 
Also, she works in social media. She moves to Paris with 250 Instagram followers. And then she posts like two shitty pictures with like one hashtag and suddenly jumps up to like 20,000 followers. It's absurd. Listen, we know that can't He's happen. Like, we try. As somebody who has worked on many social media accounts, not in a bragging way, it's not that easy. <laughs> Especially if you're not showing titties. Like she's not even showing titties and she's getting that many followers. It's incredible. Maybe, d- maybe she's DMing titties. Maybe. I don't know. But either way, it's inexplicable to me. Um, So that's a big flaw. The show is just okay. But if you're a fan of Sex in the City and you just like pretty clothes and you like a silly love story and a girl in her 20s like meeting guys and being in a beautiful city then it's it's a great escapist show it's a great way to spend a sunday on your couch thank you ashley you're welcome for that recommendation well i have two hashtag swag bags because i feel like the first one is going to get me in trouble and it's not tangible and i feel like we've been doing like a lot of weird non-tangible ones so i'm gonna like also give you a tangible thing the first thing it's my dog's 13th birthday today which probably happy should be birthday beckett happy birthday beckett but my swag bag is Prozac. My mm. dog, I should have put my dog on Prozac sooner. Um, he has PTSD. He was attacked by a dog. And ever since then, and then he got a pretty debilitating disease. And he suffered from anxiety since then. But um, I was really hesitant to put him on Prozac. And then I finally did when we had Luna because he was biting her, which I've talked about on the show. Yeah. Let me just tell you. I wish I had done it sooner. He is the dog he was meant to be. My hashtag swag bag is Prozac. <laughs> Take it, anyone who needs, especially your dog. Like, obviously, I'm not just, whoa, that was perfect timing. Clementine, you need Prozac. <laughs> she does need Prozac, actually. That's perfect timing. Consult your doctor. Don't just give your dog your own Prozac. Yeah, no. It has to be dosed properly. That's a bad idea. It, yeah, it has really made a huge, huge, huge difference. And then my tangible things, I feel like that's like a little intangible for full folks if you don't have yeah, a dog. Yeah, you do or, need a prescription. If you're anti-drugs or whatever, you know. I am going to say you get you a rice cooker. My mom swears by hers. I love my rice cooker so much. Uh, I need to get a new one, a little slightly bigger one, because this was a single girl rice cooker. I need like a rice cooker for my family. I've tried it in the pressure cooker. I've tried it regular making rice way. I've tried it a million different ways. No rice is as good as when you make it in a rice cooker. It is so It's game changing. What kind of rice are you using in your rice cooker? Popular contrary belief with me being so healthy. Humble brag, I'm not actually. I don't, I hate brown rice. So it's either jasmine or sushi rice. Okay. All right. So it's a white rice for Any rice works in there. I've cooked Spanish rice in there. Is yours a Japanese rice cooker? Because that's the one my mom has and she loves her like Japanese rice cooker. No, I have not a Japanese rice cooker. I have a really cheap one. I don't think hers is like a big, super duper fancy one. I think they're all pretty like, like I think that's the thing about a rice cooker. You don't have to get a super fancy one. No, I think mine was like $23, the one that I've been using. I think I might buy one. I've had mine literally for probably 15 years and I'm just finally going to replace it just because it's getting old. And like I like I said, the actual amount of rice it makes, I purposely got it for small apartment living. But now we have like a mm. family, so I need a little bit more rice. It's literally foolproof. You set it and you forget it. It's yeah. the yeah. best. And it cooks I need really to do quickly that. and the rice is always fluffy and delicious. It is game changer. Anyway, guys, I just sneezed and so I peed myself again. So I have to go wipe oh, myself. Oh, that's all right. I feel blood gushing out leg. of me. So it's cool. Great. Well, on that note, well, thank you so much for listening to us and our fluids. Yeah. We're happy to have you. Bye. Bye. Okay. That's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We are out here on our own and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at momtouragepod at gmail.com. 
Follow us on Instagram at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.